His name is Lyle Presler, punk rock legend and music industry vet. His name is Jim Shear, most tenured DJ in the history of music television. It's the week in music with Lyle and Jim, and it all starts now. Hey there, everybody. My name is Jim Shear, and I'm Lyle Presler. And on today's episode, Mike Tyson drops a diss track, Lady Gaga pitches a tent, Ed Sheeran makes history, but before all of that, this Friday, the inauguration of President Trump will take place in Washington, D.C., and Bruce Springsteen cover band, the B Street Band, will not be playing Trump's inauguration party. Due to immense pressure and out of respect for Bruce, They've decided not to play. Will Forte, the group's guitarist, manager, and publicist, not to be confused with the comedian Will Forte, (laughs) said, quote, The band's worn out. Everybody loves to have their 15 minutes of fame, but maybe not this way, unquote. Right. Of course, out of respect for Bruce. Well, I mean, (laughs) but that, see, that's, we've talked about this, I think, before, but I kind of... Okay, yeah, great, right, don't do it. But you never should have agreed to do it in the first place. If you know right. if you know who Bruce Springsteen is and you're making your living off of him, yes. then basically you should know, hey, we should just steer completely clear of this. Yes. But it goes to what I've talked about, which is that you can go to a Bruce Springsteen concert and he's up there preaching. And I can guarantee you more than half the people in there don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they don't. I heard people booing him over the, what was it, 41 shots thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. But, I mean, pr- I think in their case, particularly given the fact that their entire thing is based on his artistic output, then I think you should never have put yourself in that position. Good thing he was they saying the right they were getting they were getting death threats. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know people always say I'm getting death threats. I don't know whether they're real death threats, but yeah, they were certainly being told what to do with their musical instruments. <laughs> <laughs> so now, do we know who's playing? Um, well, it's interesting. We know that um, Toby Keith is playing. Oh, okay. See, we, I didn't know that. Yeah, we know that Three Doors Down is playing. Oh. Oh, remember them? <laughs> yeah, I do, yeah. Okay. Superman. Superman, right, exactly. Um, and then there's uh, the young opera singer, star, whatever girl. Yeah. She's doing something. But there's the interesting thing is that TMZ has been reporting that there are a number of bookings that are being worked out in secret to avoid this this sort of backlash thing that comes along with announcing it. Okay. So it's possible that there'll be surprises. Like Kanye. Yeah, you never know. Okay. Do you remember, I don't, I was trying to look it up and I'm actually on the computer right now who hmm. played George W. Bush's inauguration I think a lot of people did um, I think even some people that might not play this one would play that one. well he had he had two of them yeah so. right I, I mean I, I think that was but that was a far less contested situation right you know because um, a lot of people didn't like him but I think Trump has a lot more hate than a 
oh, W ever had. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think it's also because he exacerbates it all the time. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you can't say one critical thing without him coming back at you. It's sort of like the relationship I used to have with Brian Baker in Myron Threat. You know, he'd say, I don't like your shirt. And I'd say, you know, I want your mother dead. You know, it was like mm-hmm. we always talk about like how we just drop a nuclear bomb on each other, you know, for the slightest, <laughs> the slightest slight would be met with full scale war. And, <laughs> you know, and um, and and so I think that's a problem with Trump is sort of like you just you make one little comment and then he just drops everything on you and that just polarizes things further. So. Right. So it says the first inauguration of George W. Bush Wayne Newton, Brooks and Dunn, and Ricky Martin okay. performed at the pre-inaugural well, entertainment. Ricky Martin, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's All right. fairly diverse. Yeah. Brooks and Dunn. Brooks and Dunn, whatever. That's, you know, I mean, you could always... Th- yeah. I mean, I'm sort of surprised, actually, that there aren't more country performers performing. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, there's what I understand, there's a like a there's some dirty little secrets in Nashville, too. You know, where some of these performers are a hell of a lot more liberal than you think they are, than their public mm-hmm. images would suggest, because yeah, it's sort of you got to be careful. What happened to the Dixie Chicks? You've got to be really careful not to ruffle the feathers of a, a largely conservative establishment. But my understanding is that if you go behind the scenes, it's like, oh, yeah, not really, not really. Because they're musicians, they're artists, you know, and artists mm-hmm. artists tend to be more progressive. Yeah, so, and there's no difference there, but it's but it's a different climate. So they tend to lean left. Yes. And speaking of the left coast, did you hear about the anti-inaugural ball? Yeah, being put on by Prophets of Rage. Absolutely, and Audio Slave is going to re- yes! reunite, right? There was a reunion of Audio Slave for the first time in eleven years. There you go. There you go. It seems like so. A my question is, yeah, where's Rage Against the Machine? Yeah. Well, where's Zach? Where's Zach? That's that's the question. That's the new Where's Waldo? Where's Zach? Mm-hmm. Or the new Where's Axel? Which we we've, we've, right. we've talked about a bunch on this show. Absolutely. So if you can get Chris Cornell who was touring with Temple of the Dog, and I'm sure he's doing Soundgarden stuff and solo stuff. If you can get him to get Audio Slave back together, why can't you get Zach to get Rage Against the Machine back together? Because Prophets of Rage are playing Rage Against the Machine songs. I know. It's not like you can't just step into the situation and just sing it. Yeah. you know, I'm sort of surprised by that. It would be lovely. I think it would be awesome if at that show, Zach shows up and does a couple of songs. Just, that would yeah, be great. Just do a song. Yeah, I think One that would be song. really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, Zach, um, if you're listening, please get your butt down there and, and do some stuff. So, one day later, after the inauguration and the anti-inauguration, uh, in Washington, D.C., the Women's March on Washington will take place. Mm. Now, Fiona Apple has teamed up with composer Michael Whalen for a quick little ditty called Tiny Hands. Let's take a listen. Yeah, by the pussies. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want 
want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. We don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. Pussy. All right, we don't want your tiny hands anywhere near our underpants. <laughs> oh my, there's there. I just read something in the paper about a guy in Connecticut. <clears throat> he may have been like a, a state senator or somebody who was accused of reaching, reaching in the wrong place. Yeah. And his response was, I don't have to be politically correct anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. That basically, so so if anybody wants to know, it wants an example of how top-down leadership works. There you Mm -hmm. go. That's it, right there. That's that's what we're talking about when someone says, "Oh, they're creating a climate in which this is okay." Well, clearly, this man got the message that it was indeed okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm sure at some point that will be chanted. Uh, I would Uh, think yes. Yeah, in Washington D.C. on Saturday, and I, I know a lot of people go into that yeah, march on so do Saturday. I. So do I. And uh, just when you think America couldn't get more divided, the boxing match between Soldier Boy and Chris Brown oh still happening in March. Although Floyd Mayweather, who was promoting the fight, has dropped out because he said things aren't moving quick enough. But fear not, Mike Tyson says he's going to train Chris Brown. And has dropped a diss track. Would you like to take a listen, Lyle? Sure. <laughs> Here you go. I'm Mike Tyson. It's going down. I'm going to teach him how to knock your ass out. If you show up, it's going down. I'm going to teach him how to knock your ass out. Don't you know you're talking shit on Instagram. But social media don't make a fucking man. Everybody talk shit behind the keys. I'm a sting like a venereal disease. If you're fucking with my clip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I got one word for all participants. You're all a bunch of assholes. Okay, just stop. I mean, watching that video especially was just like, oh, come on. You agreed to be in this? Yeah. Like, honestly, you thought this was a good use of your afternoon? Go shopping. Do something. I mean, I, you know, please. Go go, go to the march. <laughs> yes. You know? Get, a, get yourself a plane ticket. Get to D.C. and go to the march. Don't yeah, make, there's, a, there's a lot of women in that yeah, video. Don't yeah, make, don't make this video. It makes you look like a, just a complete jerk. And by yeah, the way, and for I those mean, that didn't see the video, it's just a, a bunch of ladies in tight clothing and bikinis. Yes, uh, all... mouthing Mike Tyson's lyrics. Yes, and and it's just offensive to the extreme and to belittling to these people. I mean, not even belittling to Soldier Boy. It's like belittling to them. You know, don't participate in this stupid thing. For one thing, it's it's so cynical anyway, because obviously it's not real. I mean, I mean, when I say it's not real, I mean it's all played for its promotional effect and money so Mm -hmm. you know don't i mean unless those those women were getting paid i mean don't do that it's just don't don't participate in that it's just silly so do you think the fight will happen oh who knows i mean soldier boy and chris brown if i were getting it on pay-per-view well what what i would do if i were them would be i'd like have you know how they have the press conference and the weigh-ins right yeah and then they should get in a fight right there then the fight should be postponed for a couple of months (laughs) <laughs> and then have a lot of other stuff happen, and then get it back together, and they could stand. Well, that's why Floyd Mayweather dropped out. Right, right, exactly, because he's like said everybody was dragging their feet. Right, well, he wants it to happen. Well, also because he's an actual boxer. 
<laughs> and these people are not actual boxers. It'd be sort of like the Blue Angels being sort of frustrated with my inability to get the airplane off the ground. You know, it's sort of, it, this isn't working. You're not listening. I'm not a pilot. <laughs> You're not listening to us. Do you remember years ago when Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit uh, challenged to fight Scott Stapp from Creed? Oh yeah. In a boxing match. I forgot all about that. Or maybe no, maybe it was um I think Scott Stapp challenged Fred Durst and then Fred Durst kept quiet about everything and he never accepted the challenge. Wow. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the details of it, but I was now that I think about it, who would win that fight? See, I think because Scott Stapp offered the challenge that he would have won. Yeah, because he was more confident. Yeah. He was more confident. I think he was more cut and more in shape at that point in time. Yeah, but Durst. I think looked, it. I've, Durst seemed like the kind of guy who would fight dirty, though. I mean, he yeah, seemed more but like if a, it was a boxing match, though. Yeah. That he would have had to listen to the rules. Well, true, but I mean, he seemed more like a street fighter to me, you know. But mm-hmm. but I could be completely wrong about that because that's all image anyway. So whatever. See, I think it stemmed from the K Rock dysfunctional family picnic uh-huh. at Jones Beach because. I don't know if Creed set ran long or something like that. And then Fred Durst came out on stage and he said, F, yo, F Creed and F that. That guy's a, a megalomaniac, man. <laughs> and where are they now? Yeah, and, yeah, and the, the, the fight never happened. Right. So who knows if this Soldier Boy Chris Brown fight will ever happen. Right. So Lady Gaga is hard at work preparing for her Super Bowl halftime performance happening in a few weeks. Uh, She erected a tent in her backyard, and she said she is practicing her dance moves nonstop. Now, there was some chatter online this week saying that the NFL told Lady Gaga not to dress anything political, although apparently... Her camp said that wasn't true. So do you think Lady Gaga will go off script on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'll get to that in a second. But the first thing I want to address, because I did see, like, she posted some workout videos and stuff that she would, you know, videos of her working out. Mm-hmm. And my, my feeling about that was just like everything in this sort of constant media world is like, well, we would sort of expect that you would practice the dance moves. We would sort yeah. of expect that you would try to be in shape. I mean, that's sort of our expectation. Now she could have fo- she could have posted a video of her sitting by the pool drinking a pina colada, you know, I mean, or something like that, just to sort of throw things off a bit. But that's sort of what we'd expect. So I'm not sure why that's kind of noteworthy. But as far <laughs> as the the issue of her political thing, um, I don't I don't know. I could certainly after the wardrobe malfunction. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that the NFL was at least attempting to be more specific in their contracts so that they wouldn't run into some of these issues. But I I I think that the NFL even the NFL wouldn't try to go as far as to say you can't say anything political. I think that they would plead with her to be reasonable and not you know, not tarnish the whole thing, but mm-hmm. but but because it would also reflect badly on her, I think ultimately too. So, but I don't know that they, and I also don't know that they can really do much about it except fire her. And if they were to do that, you see what I'm saying? Like, don't you don't want to set up a situation where you're going to be looking worse than you already are? 
So, for mm-hmm. instance, if I put in your contract a morals clause that says, like, hey, Lady Gaga, if you go out there a week before and you say bad things about President Trump or you say bad things about this, we'll fire you. Well, the firing of her that would be triggered by her comments could be much worse than the comments. It could make you look terrible. So you, generally speaking, want to try in your, in your contracts, in your legal thing, not to, not to paint yourself into a corner where you'll trigger something that'll be disastrous for you. So Now, when you say she would get fired, she would just never be allowed to perform at an NFL function again? Yeah, or, or if she said something before the event, oh, they might okay. not even let her perform. You see, but, gotcha. but all those things are going to be, they're going to reflect very badly on the NFL. That's the kind of negative publicity they don't want. So mm-hmm. I think probably what happens is in the process of negotiating with her to do the show, they probably came to an understanding. Now, the understanding could be broken, but they probably had confidence she's not going to do something, you know. Because since the wardrobe malfunction, the only artist who I second thought was like Madonna. I was like, really? And then MIA came and she flipped the bird. Right. Right. And that's the only time since the wardrobe malfunction where anyone has stepped out of line with the NFL. Yeah, and it was I MIA mean, flipping the bird. And and by the way, you know, I mean, I think to some extent the NFL has kind of handled this properly. If you remember the whole thing last year with with formation and the supposed Malcolm X, Black right. Panther dancers, their attitude was, "We don't even know what you're talking about." Which I think was the <laughs> best thing that they could have done, which is to say, we were happy with it. We're, it's fine. Yeah, because you don't want to call you, you know at a certain point you just don't want to call attention to something that raises your own your issues and and I I got to be honest I I suspect the hand of some agitator in all this information like oh yeah they told her she couldn't do this she couldn't do that how would you know that and and do you think the NFL is really going to leak that out I mean most people won't even know if that's part of the contract anyway so you know what I mean it's not like they pass the contracts all over the you know place hey take a look at this guys you know nobody sees those except the legal department and the business people that they don't post that stuff for employees to look at so I, I suspect that this is all just you know some sort of Let's let's hype this thing up a little bit, make it a little more dangerous, right? And what I don't know, like what could happen if she did say something against Trump? Because I'm, I'm I'm thinking if she just puts on a spectacular performance, mm-hmm. she raises her profile, mm-hmm. and then when she's off the grid, when she's off the stage, then she can take to social media. Yeah. Yeah, and by the way, and say whatever and, she wants, and and it'll make her look good anyway because she won't face the, the the inevitable criticism, which is one of the criticisms I've leveled at this is that maybe it's not that that's not an appropriate sp- place to do that. You know, if you decide I want to perform at the Super Bowl halftime, maybe that's not the place to make political statements. Maybe you can make right. those statements somewhere else, and and it'll be, and you won't subject yourself to the accusation of like, oh, you know, you used what was supposed to be a purely entertainment to 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 upset people, and that was their diversion. And why don't you let them have that, their diversion? So she can, she can do her performance. Everyone will love it. She can then go, and a week later or whatever, she can say, you know, I was happy to do the NFL thing. I didn't want to mess things up, but let me tell you what I really think about X, Y, and Z. Yeah, because I'm all for making statements. Sure. But there's a lot of red states that watch the Super Bowl. Right. 
Right. So I think and, you just open up another like, can where it's like, oh, she talking about a president. Damn it, Lady Gaga. Yeah, well, exactly. And I think there's also even people who are not red staters or whatever who will just say like, you know what, I, I've had an, I've had enough of this. Like yes. I don't, I didn't yes. watch this show to see that. Okay. Because I'm almost at the point where there's too much stuff said about Trump. Yeah. So in the past, yes, I would have liked a statement, but now I just want 12 good minutes. Right. Right. Exactly. Because I'm barraged with Trump stuff everywhere I go. So just give me 12 good minutes of entertainment. Right. And I think that's probably what she's going to do. I mean, I don't, first of all, you know, and of course the counter argument to all this, Jim, is like, well, this is the appropriate place to do it because we have the world's eyes and ears. Yeah, no, I get it. I get that. But at the same time, we now live in a world where you can have the world's eyes and ears whenever you want to if you're Lady Gaga or if you're Bruce Springsteen or if you're Bono. So you really don't need that. So, or just be like super smart about it and throw in a, a, a subtle dig that no one gets until two weeks later. Yeah, you know, that's that exactly. And by the way, you know, that was the, the thing with a lot of people didn't even connect the dancers' garbs with the Black Panthers. You know, most people mm-hmm. didn't get that. I sort of got yeah. it, but I, I mean, I, mean, I, I realized, look, boy, they sure look like the Black Panthers, but, you know. <laughs> But most people didn't didn't get that. And so that's, yeah, you're right. If you can figure out some way to sort of subtly make a comment or a statement, mm-hmm. that's the way to do it. And Lady Gaga will be performing by herself. Oh. I mean, there'll be dancers and whatnot, but there'll be no features during her Super Bowl halftime performance. Good. Good for her. So Bruno Mars will not be performing this year <laughs> at the halftime Bruno show. Bruno will come out from the wings. <laughs> yes. Uh, We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Tupac Shakur, Billy Corgan, and Radiohead. I want to hold them like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. I love it. Love game, intuition, play the cards with space to start. And after he's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on his heart. Hey everybody, Jim Shear with Lyle Presler on The Week in Music. Um, did you hear that the Tupac Shakur biopic, All Eyes on Me, is going to hit theaters on June 16th? Oh, wow. It's coming up. It's been picked up. Uh, that would have been Tupac's 46th birthday. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's Are we cool. going to go see this? Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm really... Because to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know as much as I'd like to know about his life. And the NWA biopic spent three weeks at number one. That's right. Right. So we're, we're, we're ready for it. Definitely. So we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but Billy Corgan's 30-day adventure is officially underway. Woo! Uh, for those that don't know, he's driving around the country, playing songs, interviewing fans, and documenting as much as he can. And you can watch his trek on the Smashing Pumpkins YouTube page. His latest video has around 2,000 views. Okay. So he's just doing it for the 2,000 views is not a lot. No, no. When you look at, like, um, Closer. <laughs> Chain smokers. Right, right. It's like or, or some kid in his bedroom. Yeah, exactly. Some kid in his bedroom, you know, lighting farts. Right. <laughs> Fart boy. 
<laughs> Johnny Fart so Boy. So to me, in a way, it's sad. I mean, I, I like the fact that he's doing it for the love of things. You know, he, he loves playing music and he probably loves talking about his music with his fans. But I thought this should have been the year Smashing Pumpkins would be playing Coachella. Yeah, you know, but Governor's Ball and all those other festivals. Well, you know, we talked about that. I mean, that may be in the works, and this may be just something to do to fill the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's probably better than sitting in your house and getting up every day at eleven o'clock and figuring, trying to figure out what you're going to do today. Yeah. Um and and I I don't think I mean I don't know Billy and and so I can't get it in his head, but I think from the things that I've seen is that he's pretty accepting of the reality. I mean, like, he was a massive superstar. His band was superstars. They Mm -hmm. sold tons of records. They made lots of money. They have enormous influence on the musical culture, and and their music continues to be played all the time. And I think he's okay with the fact that tastes changed and the world changed, and he still wants to do what he wants to do. So, And he has the freedom to do what he wants to do, which is something that most people can't ever claim, you know. Yeah. Like, what would... How long was his ambient set? <laughs> Seven hours. Then he put on like, like an an eight hour ambient <laughs> yeah, set, and then he's gonna release it on a box right, set. Right, exactly. Charge like five hundred dollars plus for it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, so I mean, that's the luxury of of his position. So exactly. Good. He he earned that in the nineties. Absolutely. He earned the right to put out an eight hour ambient box set. Yep. Uh, this week, Radiohead, who will be playing back to back weekends at Coachella in April announced a U.S. tour. Wait for it, Lyle. They're only playing eight cities. And there will be no New York City dates, so um, maybe they heard our, our Radiohead Bitch Out podcast last year. They said, screw everybody <laughs> within a 50-mile radius of those guys. <laughs> so we're real sorry, people, but we messed it all up for you. How do you, like, I'm sorry, but announcing a tour when it's only eight cities that's like you know i mean you know what i'm saying it's like announcing your batting averages 231 you know i mean like <laughs> i don't I, well, I don't see how that that really i think that's something that you don't announce you just sort of go yeah 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 we're playing some dates because i was on the internet yesterday and i saw these headlines and it says radiohead announces north american tour and i said cool and i clicked on it and I said, well, first of all, it's not a North American tour because they're not playing Canada at all. Right. They're not playing Mexico. They're playing eight dates in the States. And I guess 10 if you if you count the uh, the back-to-back weekends at Coachella. Right, right. Well, so maybe... the, the closest they're playing here is Atlanta and Miami. Okay, well, maybe they'll add dates. Yeah, okay. I mean... So then you'd think they would. Well, But then after the U.S. dates, there's a bunch of European dates. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I think the pressure's on us, Jim, though, to do another Radiohead special in which all we do is just say how great everything they've ever done is. <laughs> now, every decision they've made is pure and good, and that you're an idiot if you don't like everything that they've ever done. Well, if you missed our Radiohead Bitch Out special, we did praise the Benz and OK Computer. Yes, we did. And we said, and I think we were kind of on the fence about Kid A. Yes. And then we said we'd be cool with Radiohead if they just played some of their older stuff. And then Lyle came up with a theory that Ed is on our side. 
<laughs> which I think will probably prove out to be one of the dumbest theories ever. <laughs> it's like saying, like Edwin, no, no, Hitler's really our friend. He's really our friend. Like Ed in the back of his head says, yeah, like we should play more songs from the Benz and OK computer. <laughs> meanwhile, Ed's the great. Guy, meanwhile, Ed's the guy going, no, no, no instrumentation, just a little beep going on. <laughs> And maybe Johnny is the guy that wants to play more stuff from the Benz and OK computer. That's right. So who knows? If we could get Ed in one day, maybe we could solve this mystery. That's right. So uh, speaking of festivals, it was reported that the granddaddy of them all, Glastonbury, was going to switch names and venues in 2009, rebranding itself as Variety Bazaar. Fortunately, Glastonbury co-organizer Emily Evis clarified things by saying, we're still planning an event in the future at a different location, which we are calling Variety Bazaar, but Glastonbury Festival will always be called Glastonbury and will remain at Worthy Farm. And there will always be rain and there will always be mud. (laughs) Always. Well, isn't the story, the legend is that when Jesus was a kid, he visited the site of Glastonbury Uh, on like a family trip. So people were freaking. They said, well, you can't move Glastonbury and you can't change the name. And they're not. Right. Right. Because I think an email leaked where it said that the Glastonbury organizers were going to have this thing called Variety Bazaar. And then everyone said, oh, no, they're changing the name. They're changing the venues. But that's not the case. Right. Right. Exactly. That's how those things generally work. Well, did you ever attend or perform at Glastonbury? No, no, I did not. I did not. Okay. I have not. And and I've known many people who have. uh, And they always... Say, boy, I wish I'd had some boots. No, I'm serious. That's all I've ever heard. Like, I wish I had some boots. Yeah, because it, it gets sloppy out there. Well, and, and uh, the Top Gear guys on BBC once did a, a thing where they were asked to, to to design cars that were specifically suited for going to Glastonbury. And one of the issues was it must be four-wheel drive because you're not getting out of there in the mud. <laughs> Unless you have four-wheel drive. Yeah, because a, a lot of the footage that I've seen from Glastonbury over the years involves fans and ponchos. Yes, exactly. Uh, congratulations to Ed Sheeran, who became the first act to debut in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 with two simultaneous titles. Um, and P.S., Shape of You is going to be number one on the Billboard Hot 100 next week, and that will be Ed's first number one. Well, you know, interestingly enough, we talked about this, and you expressed a little bit of, uh, you know, I'm not so sure I feel comfortable with Ed singing what he's singing. So Mm -hmm. I kind of ran it by a few other people, and I have to say that that seemed to be the consensus, that they were a little disturbed by (laughs) So they don't like it either. Yeah, they don't like it either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think you... It's a catchy song. It's not just you. I think think that's a kind of... It's almost like Kermit the Frog, you know, like... (laughs) <laughs> weighing in on some sort of social issue, deep social issue. I it just sort of like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I yeah. Like like I said it's a catchy it song is a but catchy song. Yeah, I just I wish you would have switched up the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, Shape of You and Castle on the Hill debuted in the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 and I said titles because you don't necessarily need to have a a single Go into the top ten, as we found out a couple weeks ago with the weekend. Right. In, in the world of digital downloads, you can just have titles that debut in the top ten or the top one hundred. Right. 
So, uh, birthdays today. Well, there's only a, a, a couple of them, a few of them, but uh, Jonathan Davis, singer from Corn, yeah, is 46 years old. Uh, Tom Bailey of the Thompson Twins, remember them? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tom Bailey is 63. And here's an interesting one: Jack Sherman, who was the guitar player on the first Red Hot Chili Peppers LP, is 61. And wow. he was not included when the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. When we, we were talking mm. about that before, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's your birthdays for today. I saw Corn ten years ago, mm. and I guess that would have made Jonathan Davis thirty-six years old. Mm-hmm. He looked like a six-year-old man on stage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like in between songs, he would leave the stage, I guess, to suck oxygen and then come back. Yeah, it didn't didn't look like he was in the best of condition for that type of thing. Whereas Fred Durst, so, that's a different issue. <laughs> so, um, the number, you know what? The songs in the albums, mm-hmm. I guess they s- slightly change. There's only one, uh, one, uh, one thing that's different from this week than last week. So the number one single on the Billboard Hot 100, Bad and Bougie from Migos featuring Lil Uzi Vert. Number one album on the Billboard 200, still Starboy from The Weeknd. Number one song on iTunes, like it was last week, Shape of You from Ed Sheeran. Number one album on iTunes, still La La Land the original motion picture soundtrack. And last week, the number one song on Spotify was Shape of You, but this week, Bad and Bougie returns from Migos featuring Lil Uzi Vert. You know, so I, that's I, the only change this week. Yeah, the only change. You know, it's interesting. My daughter, who is nine, um, actually the other night made... She, she We were listening to David Bowie's Starman, which she likes, and she said, oh, my... She goes, oh, my. So the weekend, Star Boy, he's sort of making a comment about Starman. And I'm like, you got it. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Wow. So there's many more where that came from. Yes. So uh, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we have our music picks of the week. Jim Shear with Lyle Presler on the week in music. Time for our music picks of the week. My music pick of the week, Don't Need You, Don't need you. from right. Bullet for My Valentine. Now, I'm not saying that this is the greatest song in the world, but a couple weeks ago, I dropped my wife off at work. She had to work on the weekend. And I drove my car to the apartment, and I found a parking space. And as I pulled into the parking space... Both of my children were sleeping. And I thought, well, I think I'm going to take advantage of the nap. Because sometimes as a parent, you just you have to take advantage of the nap. Oh, yeah. Because I thought if I wake them up now, they're going to be crabs oh, and they're yeah. going to be like maniacs for the next two hours. So I think I'm going to give them like half hour, 40 minutes to sleep and then I'll be fine. So I was channel surfing, trying to find good talk stations or good music stations. Uh, I I was done with all the pop because I think I was listening to pop music all day long. And I came across a death metal station 
in New Jersey, and it was literally a death metal station because during the breaks they said, the only death metal in New Jersey. <laughs> and I said, wow, a death metal station. And four watts of power. Four <laughs> watts of deathly power. I'll see you in hell. <laughs> and I listened to a couple songs, and when this one came on, I thought, you know what? It's not that bad. I kind of like it. So um, here's a little tip of the cap to uh, Bullet for my Valentine. Listen to while my kids were napping in the back seat. Here you go.
Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, you know, but I don't. I, see, I, I, that to me is not death metal. No. Although I did notice that Bullet for My Valentine, there's a lot of songs that seem to be about women like, like betraying men. That seems to be a pretty mm-hmm. common theme if, if I'm reading it correctly. And I mean, he does do the raw thing, which does sort of drive me crazy. But he also sings, which is good. So he varies it up like a lot of bands do or have been doing. I think it's pretty good. The intro is too long, I think. Yeah. But someone who doesn't have kids right. would say, well, wouldn't that wake your kids up if you're listening to death metal? Good point. And the crazy thing is, as long as the radio's on... They stay asleep. There's some, they stay asleep, and if you would turn the radio off, <laughs> then they would wake up. They wake it doesn't up. make any. It doesn't make any sense, but you need the radio on. It's like when you're driving on the interstate, and there's that hum in the car, Yeah. and then when you pull off at the turnpike... There's no hum, and then the kids wake up. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you need noise for the kids to sleep. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, I, so had, a, I had a similar car experience. Well, not. I mean, I had a car experience. Let's put it that way. Okay. Um, I was driving up from D.C. on 95, and I was looking around for stuff to listen to. And I it was, it was nice. I had sort of a week without pop music. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, ex- I'm, I'm exposed to... Hits one, like, on serious, you know, like, three times, you know, three hours a day, basically, almost. So, I mean, I know, and I get to the point where I'll just, I'll furiously argue with my daughter about, I do not want to hear that song again. I cannot hear the Chainsmokers again. I mean, I liked it when it came out, and I've heard it a hundred times. I've heard some of those songs more than I've heard Rolling Stones records. So, anyway, I had this nice little break (laughs) from it, and I was coming up, and I, I alighted upon... XPN in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, and it was Saturday afternoon. I guess Saturdays are all request, or at least this guy's show was an all request show, and it was really interesting because it was just incredible variety of music. Although I will say that it had there were certain tonal qualities that, it, that were common, fairly common. I mean, they didn't, in other words, they didn't careen too widely. Okay, but into yeah, death metal. Yeah, they didn't go into death metal. But so they they played this song. And it was this very sort of 60s, lush-sounding thing with all these instruments. And not having any ability to see what the song was, right? And driving, so I couldn't Shazam it without, uh-huh. without driving off the road. I, I was forced into the... I was forced into waiting for the back announce. But, see, now I thought that this song was a modern take... In sort of the Brian Jonestown Massacre vein, or the Lilies, or Apples in Stereo, you know, one of those bands that kind of looks back to that kind of great lush period of late 60s sounds, and I thought that's what Uh it was. And the song is called Reflections of My Life by a band called Marmalade. Wow. And it turns out that that's from 1969. They were a Scottish band, and it was a huge hit. But funnily enough, my wife remembers the song vividly, and I don't remember it at all from my childhood. Really? Not So when you all. heard it, that was the first time that you thought you heard the song? That's the first time I think I've ever heard the song. Which and was kind so of there, a, was a, there was a back announce. There was a back announce. And then and that's how you got the information. Well, then I stopped at a rest stop and I typed it into Google and I went, "Oh my goodness, this isn't a new band." Because even the name Marmalade could be one of those bands that I've never heard of. 
you know. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, I, I really liked it, and I thought it was interesting. And, of course, the great thing is you go on Wikipedia, these people, and then you find out who they are and what bands they were in and what bands they went on to and who, you know, all that stuff. So it's really, it's an interesting part of the of the history of it. And I've got to imagine that the Teenage Fan Club guys were really into them. Because I think if you, okay. if you were from Scotland, I think you probably... You probably have to ha- you have to know how to sing some of these songs in order to keep your you know your passport. So yeah, because yeah. because it was that big. I mean, it was it sold like two million copies worldwide, which is oh huge. wow yeah I didn't realize it was that big. But you probably right, so, remember uh, the song. So reflections of my life from Marmalade. Here you go. The changing of sunlight to moonlight. Reflections of my life Oh, how they fill my eyes The greetings of people in trouble
Yeah. Now, did you... I had a similar experience once. Did you ever hear of Richard and the Young Lions? Yes. I was in Pittsburgh, and I was driving outside of the bubble of Pittsburgh and stumbled upon this classic rock station. And there was a song that I really liked, and it was coming in and out of static. And the DJ didn't back announce it. So I asked my aunt, who's big into classic rock. She didn't know. And then a couple weeks later, I started randomly singing, Ah, wanna love you some more. So I Googled it, found out that it was a romantic song. And when I listened to the romantic song, I thought, well, this isn't it. This is the song, but it's not it. And I found out, long story short, this actually is a long story, that it's called Open Up Your Door from Richard and the Young Lions. Yeah. So isn't it fun when you can discover a song many, many years after the fact? It's 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 amazing to me, and I mean I and I have to say that um, you know it's sort of like what was the what was the way NBC tried to present re- reruns as it's new to you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's new to me. So uh, we'll take one more break, and when we come back, we will play Ask Lyle. Left you at it. Came back at night. you got Hey there, everybody. Jim Shear and Lyle Presler on The Week in Music. You just heard a little bit of uh, Open Up Your Door from Richard and the Young Lions, which I discovered on the radio without a back announce. So uh, I don't know. Are there young DJs out there? I feel like there's only old DJs out there. No, I think there's some younger DJs. Yeah. There's some. Okay. I mean, I don't know how young. I mean, I think that, you know, on college stations, sure. Um, you got to back announce. But you got to back, back, back announce. What was, what, the, the record industry had uh, a whole campaign in the uh, probably in the 70s and 80s. It was called Say It When You Play It. Yes. Say it when you play it. There you go. So my question, time to play Ask Lyle. Ask Lyle. Uh, a, kind of a sports-related question with a social media spin. Did you catch the whole Antonio Brown Pittsburgh Steelers saga this week? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I Where did. he took his phone out while his coach was giving a post-game speech and he Facebook lived it. Yeah. And in the speech, the coach says, "Keep this off of social media. This is just us." Right. Them New England Patriots are a bunch of assholes. We're going to go down there. We're going to beat them. Right. So what what uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, first of all, I was disappointed that the coach Mike Tomlin felt like he had to apologize because I think that's ridiculous. I mean, if you've ever been in a locker room ranging from junior high school, uh, and I, I would include women in this too, okay? You've been in a locker room, junior high school all the way through. The language in there is not language that most people would use on the street, okay? And and particularly in the world of professional football, given the fact that these are professional football players, they have heard everything you can ever hear. 
I mean, I have heard stories about stuff that gets said on a field, which is just absolutely insane, okay? You know, when a guy's covering a receiver, he's telling him, like, yeah, I saw your mother last week. She was sucking cocks in hell, you know? I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's all just designed to get under people's skin. And his comments were fairly innocuous by comparison to that. So we called mm-hmm. the other team a name. Big deal. I think that Antonio Brown, who is, by the way, if you don't know, a superstar – He's not an average player. He's a superstar player. He's one of their best players and one of the best players in the league. I think that was enormously irresponsible of him and very childish. Because the one thing that is sort of understood is that the locker room is the locker room. That's a secret place, a private place. Things can get said in there. Action, things can happen in there that don't ever, that should never see the light of day. And it's very important for the camaraderie of the people involved to to know that they can make statements, they can say things, they can do things that are that no one's going to expose that. Okay, and I don't mean like, you know, criminal acts. I mean just things that you wouldn't want other people to know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he violated the trust of the other players, and I think some of I think some of the other players are very disappointed with that. What I did think was particularly funny was the fact that when Bill Belichick, the coach of the, the of the Patriots, was asked about it, he did his usual Belichickian thing. But the funny thing was is he's like, I'm not on the f- snap face thing. And clearly he knows. Like, clearly he knows what it is. Like, there's no question. And he did two. He dropped two of those in there, you know. And and it was clear that he was nudge, nudge, wink, winking the whole way along. But it's like, I, yeah, the snap face. Yeah, snap, the yeah, face I, chat. Not worry about the face chat thing or whatever and you know but but clearly he is and he probably knows exactly what's being said on those things because he's all about getting an edge somewhere there was this uh there was there's a a tape of minor threat rehearsing late late in the in the process and there's a lot of arguing going on as there always was and By the way, I love how you tied this back to Minor Threat. Yeah, this yeah. is awesome. I it Pittsburgh back. Steelers and Minor Threat. Where else but on this show? Right, right, exactly. But you know, but like for instance, it's it's I think it's fascinating. And people said, well, it's really fascinating to listen in on what the coach is saying in the locker room. And just like it's fascinating to listen in on what bands are doing in rehearsal. Well, wasn't yeah, but the, you're talking about the Minor Threat tape. Right. Wasn't there a, an argument on the tape? Yes, there's a huge argument on the tape. And there was some discussion about releasing it on a on a record, on a CD, <laughs> um, and and we sort of there, it, and it was an interesting question for me. It's like, well, do you know, do I really want? To, and actually, from what I understand, although I haven't listened to it all the way through, I mean, I come off okay in it, which is a surprise to some people, <laughs> you know, which is a surprise. Um, but the, but the question became like, well, do you know, is that something that really the public should hear? Like, I'm sure they would want to, but is that something they should hear? Now, in that instance, that happened 30 years ago. I mean, like, you know what I mean? It's almost like going back and listening to the tapes in Nixon's White House. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's it has it, it's got historical context now, so it doesn't really matter. But if I were to tell you that you know that the Red Hot Chili Peppers are in the studio, you know, right now, and we're gonna we're gonna surreptitiously listen in, or one of them is gonna broadcast what's going on, where you know Flea's screaming at you know Anthony, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's what you want out there. 
Because the thing is, is that some of the things that get said in those circumstances don't last. They're just reactions. Yes. They don't yes. have any staying power. They don't necessarily affect what's going on. And, you know, in the car ride home, everyone says, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that to you. That's bullshit. Whatever. We've been together for mm-hmm. years. So, you know, I don't know that I would think that if somebody did that, like if an engineer did that and happened to be recording a, a rehearsal or something, that would be a breach of trust. You know, mm-hmm. and so I think that it's similar. Um, the things that get said are supposed to, if, if something's supposed to be behind closed doors, then it's supposed to be behind closed doors. You know, otherwise you should just conduct these these post-game things in public. You know? I'm with you 100%. But I understand why people wanted to listen to it, because it's fascinating. Because you always want, it, it want to know what they say, you know. And you mm-hmm. want to know how they are when they're not composed, when they're not on the field. You know, when they don't have to act a certain way. Although, in case of Mike Tomlin, he tripped a guy who was running back. But, but, but so we sort of. But no, I was seriously though. You know, he's a very composed man, and you want to see what he's really like. You really want to see what Belichick is like because everyone says like he's really funny and he's very engaging, but he doesn't come across that way to the public because he doesn't want to. Yeah, I love how in his press conference he just gives one word yeah, grunts. One more word but, grunts. In the the locker room, I bet he's very eloquent with his words. Yeah, and I've I've again I've heard people who've you know talked about being with him where if you get him on a subject that he is interested in talking about, he'll just go on and on and on and on and on and be very animated about things. Mm-hmm. And it's just that he feels that that's not really what he should be doing with his time. Like he's he's not going to sit there. He's certainly never going to tell you what he really thinks. About a situation. Back to the the minor threat tape. Mm. I remember you telling me about that, and I thought it was funny because in minor threat, everyone has to vote on things, right? right? And if it's not unanimous, it doesn't pass. And then you thought, well, I have to listen to this whole thing now, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was one of the things I didn't want to listen to it. You know, I had no interest in. I listened to like a couple of seconds of it, and I was like, and that's enough for me. You know, um, and, and it was funny because you know Ian said to me, he goes, "Oh, you know, I found this tape," and I was like, "Oh God, you know, here we go." And and he said, "No, no," he goes, "Far from it." He goes, "I, you know," but this shows you like perception. He's like, "I always had the perception that you were so unreasonable." And he said, "And I listened to this tape, and actually, you're the only person in the room making any goddamn sense." <laughs> and he said, you should listen to it. And I kind of said, oh, yeah, I will. <laughs> no, he did. I never did. <laughs> but then he said something about releasing it. And I said, if you want to do it, do it. I said, I, 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 think, I, I think at the end of the day, the reason why it wasn't released was more because it was like, I think the, the fear was, oh, God, they're scraping the absolute bottom of the barrel for anything they can release. You know, right. it's sort of like the next one would be like the the uh, postcards and uh, and birthday cards of Lyle Pressler, a deluxe edition. <laughs> you know, and, and and I think there's a there's a point where you do, are sort of scraping the bottom of the barrel, and maybe you ought to just say enough. Um, yeah, you know. So I don't. I mean, because we already released what a demo tape. I mean, you know, it's, at a certain point, you just say we can't do this anymore. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean it's it's a it's a sticky situation because you know the pressures of social media and and yet I I, I I do really believe that these players would be much better off if they stayed off of it. So uh, that'll do it for us. Join us next week for our new sports podcast. <laughs> for Lyle Presler, my name is Jim Shear, and we will see Yins later. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. <laughs> <laughs>